Is Mormonism exempt from any of the Ten Commandments? Next on Polygamy, what love is this? We like to investigate <laughs> the authors who wrote about the pioneer Mormon days, especially the authors who are non-Mormon because they tend to be more truthful and open about historical Mormonism than the LDS historians have been prone to be. Now, we started last time uh, this two-part series uh, discussing observations by an author from uh, Germany, uh, Dr. W. Weil. He published his book in 1886. The introduction um, page of the book is on the screen. It's entitled Mormon Portraits or the Truth About the Mormon Leaders from 1830 to 1886. And his full name is William Ritter von Weimittel. It looks like it. Weimittel. <laughs> and it was published by the Tribune Printing and Publishing Company in 1886. And what we are going to be discussing is uh, the early years during the mm -hmm. Joseph Smith time when polygamy became a very big deal, yet it was a silent big deal. Last time we discussed the many denials and blatant lies told by early Mormon polygamists about their polygamy using Dr. Wilde's historical account of, in this book about the Mormon people and culture. First, we have a couple of quotes from the Journal of Discourses that are important to share. The first one is from George Q. Cannon. Yes, an apostle, I think. If I'm an if I am a Latter-day Saint, as I should be, I am an honest man. We must be an honest people, for I tell you, those who are not honest cannot retain the Spirit of God. God wants an honest people, a truthful people, a people whose word can be relied upon, a people whose word is as good as their bond. And the next one from John Morgan is, I do not care how wise the man is, how long the prayer he may make, or how reverend he may look. If he tells a lie, it is a lie, and you cannot change or alter it. Let us, as honest men and honest women, lay down all prejudice and malice and examine the principles of truth and righteousness as they are placed before us. The truth will hurt no man. Oh, mm -hmm. Very <laughs> and, bold. And yet last time and this time, we are going to talk about many of the recorded denials and lies about polygamy by the Mormon men yeah. and women. Yeah who were polygamous themselves, and we wonder how could they deny something like this that they knew that God knew they were denying and continue to say that they believe in being truthful? Uh, it doesn't make much sense, it does doesn't. it? It doesn't. If they really believed that God gave the command to be polygamous, why were they lying about it? That's such a good question. Yeah. The Book of Mormon and also warns, did they read their own Book of Mormon? Because it warns that all liars will be thrust down to hell. Yet there is irrefutable proof and documentation that early Mormon polygamists were liars about many of their beliefs and behaviors. Dr. Weil records sworn affidavits uh, from both William Law and Jane Law, his wife, about the polygamy revelation of Joseph Smith. We quote from Jane Law's testimony. I certify that I read the revelation referred to in the affidavit of my husband. It sustained in strong terms the doctrine of more wives than one at a time in this world and in the next. It authorized some to have to the number of ten and set forth that those women who would not allow their husbands more wives than one should be under condemnation before God. 
And that's what we learned growing up in I'm polygamy sure as well. It went on then, and it went it still goes on today. A limit of ten was that? Well, they didn't have a limit. They oh. <laughs> they, they didn't have a limit. Even okay. Brigham Young didn't have a limit. No, Joseph Smith. Obviously, yes. <laughs> I guess ten was a number they picked out of the sky. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. In another document, we find an interview that Dr. Weil had with William Law, Jane's wife, in March of 1887. The interview was later printed in the Daily Tribune of Salt Lake City. And it's a long article, and of course we can't go through the whole thing, but we want to present what he said about the introduction of the revelation of polygamy. Now, it was Hiram Smith, Joseph's brother, who brought the written revelation to William and Jane Law. Hiram told him to take it home and read it, but be very careful and then bring it back to him after he had read it. So he took it home and showed it to his wife. William said at first he didn't believe it came from Joseph Smith. His wife Jane said she could well believe it did. She knew the inside story. Well, there, he, had, he had proposed to her, too. <laughs> right. He said the original text of the Revelation was much shorter than the finished product, and that Revelation is now Section 132 of the Mormon's Doctrine and Covenant. So it's in their doctrine. They do believe it. Yes. We quote. I remember distinctly that the original given me by Hiram was much shorter. It covered not more than two or three pages of fool's cap. The contents are substantially the same, but there was not that theological introduction. The thing consisted simply in the command of doing it, and that command was restricted to the high priesthood and to virgins and widows, but as to Joseph himself, the Lord's chosen servant, it was restricted to virgins only, hmm, to, clean, to clean vessels from which to procure a pure seed, to the Lord. And yet their polygamy did not just Follow limit that. themselves to all of this in right. any sense of the term. And, and these words all sound high and holy. <laughs> sure. You know, pure seed to the Lord, clean vessels and, and so on. But certainly uh, it's not something you would ever be able to compare to true biblical revelation. You know, you can go in the Bible and read what God said and it doesn't, <laughs> section 132 does not match up. None of his do. None no. of his revelations do. No. Besides that, today's Mormon church denies that Joseph Smith had any seed or children yeah. from his polygamy, let alone righteous seed. William Law said he brought the paper to Joseph Smith and asked him if this was a genuine revelation. He just couldn't believe it. So he brought it to Joseph Smith, and Joseph said it was. But William Law pointed out that in the Doctrine and Covenants, there was already a revelation that was completely contrary to this one. This is Joseph Smith's response. Oh, said Joseph, that was given when the church was in its infancy. Then it was all right to feed the people on milk. But now it is necessary to give them strong meat. We talked a long time about it. Finally, our discussion became very hot and we gave it up. The revelation gave the finishing touch to my doubts and showed me clearly that he was a rascal. I took the revelation back to my wife and told her that Joseph had acknowledged it. That is what I fully expected, said she. What shall we do, said I. She advised me to keep still, to, to keep still try to sell my property quietly for what I could get. But I did not follow her advice. My heart was burning. I wanted to tread upon the viper. <laughs> he was that's upset. Joseph Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So William and Jane Law, both of them rejected Joseph Smith's revelation on polygamy, which later led to the event that they revealed it in the expositor. Right. Joseph Smith and his cronies destroyed the, uh, the expositor, the printing press, and so he was subsequently arrested, jailed, and murdered. That sounds like a couple other Ten Commandment problems, right? <laughs> it does. <laughs> a lot of Ten Commandment problems in this early Mormon history. And, and, you know, I, I think about this, and I think it, my, it was as though God had had enough of Joseph Smith's claims of saying, yeah. thus saith the Lord, right. and when he didn't actually say those things. So he just silenced Joseph Smith. Unfortunately, the false prophecies live on. Yeah. And Dr. Weil writes that many Mormon members were hearing the rumors of the dishonesty and church-authorized adultery. They wanted to reform the Mormon church without a public display of the crimes that were being practiced by its leaders. They petitioned Joseph Smith for such a reform, and this is part of Joseph Smith's response. Joseph Smith stated that if he had sinned and was guilty of the charges we would charge him with, he would not make acknowledgment, but would rather be damned, for it would detract from his dignity and would consequently ruin and prove the overthrow of the church. He often said that we would all go to hell together and convert it into a heaven by casting the devil out. And, says he, hell is by no means the place this world of fools supposed it to be, but on the contrary, it's quite an agreeable place. <laughs> now, we quoted that in the beginning of part one, that yeah. particular statement of Joseph Smith, and it was actually a very dangerous arrogance that Joseph Smith thought that he could cast the devil out of hell. We, In fact, we quote from one of the biblical book uh, books, uh, Jude, named Jude, in yeah. his warning, about false prophets. Chapter 1, verse 10, I believe. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand, and what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. And, and so that <laughs> really fits in well yeah. with what Joseph Smith was doing and did frequently. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he minimized, minimized what God has revealed about hell is really quite disturbing. Jesus himself confirmed that hell exists, that it is eternal, and all those who refuse God's truths in this world will live in that place where there is no God, and that is hell. Now, many folks who leave the Mormon religion become absolute atheists. They don't want the authority of God and rejoice that God won't be part of the next world. But that is a huge error. We read this from the book of James. Yeah, James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, that's mm -hmm. interesting to know because God is good. And everything that is good in this world is from, from God, God, is from Him, yeah. because He's a good God. Now, hell is the place where the goodness of God isn't present. Since every good thing is from God and there is no good thing in the world of hell, it's a place void of anyone or anything that is good. The Mormon idea of three levels of heaven and the lowest level being yeah. better even than life on this earth is, right. is a myth. It's just a myth. It's the devil's lie to keep people from believing the truth, a trap that will lead them to a place they don't want to be and a place that doesn't have any exits. Mm. Jesus said there's a hell. He died on the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to be in hell. Yet people reject him, they hate him, and they die without him.
Joseph Smith taught the kind of doctrines that removes the gift and grace of God through Jesus and replaced God's truths with a lie. Notice the warning about this given in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. You know, verses 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one, this is the Antichrist, is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Now, very clearly there is the truth. Yeah. We have to love the truth. We have to, first of all, we have to know it right. and believe it, of course. And, and when we believe it, we do love it. We yeah. love the truth. And, and that's, that's salvation. If you, don't, if you reject the truth or don't believe it, you cannot be saved. And it's clear in here that they will perish. Those who don't love the truth will be perishing or are perishing. Now, Joseph Smith trivialized the truth of God. And when he said he could throw the thinking. devil out of hell and turn it into heaven, right. that, that's mocking something that's very serious. Yeah. And, and Joseph Smith not only uh, trivialized the truth of God, but he changed it and rejected it. And, and through the decades, the, the doctrines that he's messed with has led millions of people, um, of his followers, down that broad road to destruction that Jesus warned us about in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. So, in his book, Dr. Wilde describes the awful treatment that females from other countries received when they converted to Mormonism and immigrated to Mormon Zion in the United States. Uh, they would go over there, the Mormon missionaries would go over there, and of course, they always denied polygamy they never when they polygamy, were there. Right. Uh, and they would be asked about they it, and they denied it, it. said it was yeah. a dirty lie. Yeah. And, and they converted a lot of people from Europe, and a lot I'm of women sure. were among them. And then, so they would come to Zion, and as they called it, and expecting this great and wonderful kingdom of God, but it wasn't what they expected it to be. They just wanted to find God, but instead, as someone so aptly put, and we've <laughs> quoted it before, and instead of finding God, they just found this monster of polygamy, and that was which was hidden in the Mormon's gospel, and which the Mormon missionaries lied to them about. Dr. Weil writes that when European women who were converts finally arrived in the Mormon community, they were lied to. They had been hoodwinked and they put off uh, getting their questions answered by the promise that Joseph Smith would see them soon and then he would reveal the mystery of heavens to their full understanding. That promise never failed to inspire them with new confidence in Joseph Smith and cause them to even be more anxious to discover what God had in store for them. They waited and waited and waited and finally were informed that Joseph Smith requested their meeting with him um, or with some high church leadership at a secret meeting place. This is the description of what invariably took place. The unsuspecting creatures are so devoted to the prophet and the course and the cause of Jesus Christ that they do not dream of the deep laid scheme. They meet him expecting a blessing and learn the will of the Lord concerning them, when instead they are told, after having been sworn to secrecy in the most solemn manner, with a penalty of death attached, that God Almighty has revealed it to him that she should be his, Joseph's, spiritual wife, for it was right anciently, and God will tolerate it again, but we must keep those pleasures and blessings from the world. For until there is a change in the government, we will endanger ourselves by practicing. She is thunderstruck, faints, recovers, and refuses. 
The prophet damns her if she rejects. She thinks of the great sacrifice and of many thousand miles she has traveled over sea and land that she might save her soul from ruin and replies, God's will be done and not mine. Isn't that sad? Yeah. These poor women were so seduced by the lies of Joseph Smith and of Mormonism. Now, this information is not just discussed in Dr. Right. Wilde's book and say somebody wants to reject it because it's, it's written about in other books too. It's written about in Fanny Stenhouse's book, Tell It All. It describes how the immigrant females were treated and lied to. And Eliza Young also wrote her story, which includes the same information. It isn't dismissible. They were there and they saw what was going on. And as we mentioned earlier, the Nauvoo Expositor was destroyed by Joseph Smith and his cronies, which is the final event yep. that led to his imprisonment and death uh, because they were revealing these things in the Expositor. It's no wonder Joseph Smith feared the printing press. It was revealing his plural and spiritual wife doctrine and other behaviors they were doing. And 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 it would reveal the lies that, that he had been telling and others mm -hmm. of the leadership and the denial by himself and other Mormon men in the leadership. This would be too embarrassing and, of course, would cause further membership hemorrhage. What did he say? He'd lose his he dignity. Knew it. Yeah, he'd lose his dignity. <laughs> But the expositor published the, those and other charges against Joseph Smith and those in leadership and Mormonism itself. And, and we want to quote some of the statements and charges that the expositor printed. And this may, maybe some people may already know this. It may surprise some yeah, people who hear this. I think it would surprise a number of people. We protest against the doctrine of unconditional sealing up to eternal life against all crimes except that of shedding innocent blood. We disapprobate every attempt to unite church and state, the effort being made by Joseph Smith for political power and influence. We protest against the hostile spirit and conduct, and conduct manifested by Joseph Smith and many of his associates toward Missouri. We consider the religious influence exercised in financial concerns by Joseph Smith unjust. We consider the gathering to Zion in haste and by sacrifice to be contrary to the will of God. It has been taught by Joseph Smith and others for the purpose of selling property at most exorbitant prices. The wealth which is brought to this place is swallowed up by the one great throat. The monies collected by missionaries sent abroad for the temple and other purposes are a humbug practiced by Joseph and others, as we do not believe that the monies and property so collected have been applied as the donors expected. Joseph buying the lands near Nauvoo and selling them to the saints at tenfold advance. Wow. Oh, I think that really happened. I must have. We consider all secret societies under penal oaths and obligations to be anti-Christian. We will not acknowledge any man as king or lawgiver to the church, for Christ is king. We protect against, we protest against the spoiling of the Gentiles. Here you Boy, go. that's pretty powerful. That, that's a, and that's a lot of things that they were doing yeah. that today's Mormons or even polygamists would not know if they hadn't studied, that they were involved in those kind of schemes. And the only way to get rid of that was to destroy that press and uh -huh. make it. I mean, they couldn't argue against it because if everybody would learn it was true. Well, yeah, and they're obviously referring to the Kirtland Bank scam right, and so right. many of the other things that were yeah. going on. And, and so here we have all these early Mormon members of the Mormon church uh, protecting 
and rejecting or protesting and rejecting yeah. the these early Mormon practices yeah. of the Mormon leadership. Of course, after Joseph Smith was killed, Brigham Young took the helm and led the Mormons out of the United States territory and moved them to Utah, which at the time, uh, it was a territory of Mexico. Eventually, of course, it became a territory sure. of the United States. But in both countries, polygamy was illegal. <laughs> Either place they moved, everywhere they moved, it was illegal. That didn't bother the Mormons. No, they still practiced their polygamy. Did they have the Articles of Faith that early in, in the religion? I think they did. I think Joseph Smith is the one who penned them. Yeah, but it was part of the 1842 Wentworth letter. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So it was... But in, still, in 18, it contained, we believe in living the laws and obeying oh, the yeah. laws. Number yeah, number 12. Yeah, was, we still be... Yeah, so obeying, the, honoring, sustaining So not only the did law. they break the Ten Commandments, they broke their <laughs> own articles of faith. Yeah. <laughs> And then, of course, Brigham Young was a prodigious polygamist. At one time, he said he didn't even know how many women he had actually been sealed to. Uh, the best-known number of documented wives, of course, is 55 or 56, depending on the list you're looking at. After the Mormons came west, they began admitting among themselves uh, that they were they could talk about it, you know, publicly rather than privately. Uh, that they were required to take plural wives, but they did not publicly and formally admit it until 1852. Dr. Weil writes this about <clears throat> that. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Mormon leaders kept up their lying about polygamy for a period of more than 10 years, calling, as accused criminals often do, God and the angels as witnesses that they were speaking the truth. <laughs> Since 1852, their tactics have changed. They now confess polygamy, but not that they have been lying. Lying in this church is hiding pearls from the swine. Ooh. Lying for the Lord kind of yeah. stuff. Stealing is taking as the Lord's agent. Seducing other people's wives is exalting. And killing people is saving them. Hmm. Great logic. Hmm. A man who has ten wives living and declares solemnly that he never heard of polygamy is naturally just the person to whom you would look when in search of a reliable statement. <laughs> Tony Cheek. He's, huh? he, yeah, he's pretty pretty open about what he's saying here. And, and again, I, I'd just like to mention, notice how upside down these teachings are. Yeah. They were then and they still are. Today's LDS reject the idea that the early Mormons taught blood atonement, that Brigham Young yeah. taught it, that it was just his opinion, but he taught it and they actually did it. They were killing people what? To, to save, save them. them. Yeah. Joseph Smith and the other men seduced other men's wives, and they called their adulteries exaltation in the celestial kingdom. Mm. They did, and they still do believe and practice lying for the Lord. We've talked about that many times and probably will some more. As though God isn't majestic and powerful enough to, to, to defend himself or to defend his own people without deceit. And despite the fact that God commanded against bearing false witness, period. <laughs> yeah. And the early Mormons, as well as today's polygamists, still believe and practice stealing for the Lord. It's okay because they aren't the chosen people. The people they're stealing from aren't God's chosen people. So stealing from them actually benefits God's work. Go ahead and do it. Great logic. <laughs> Don't steal from each other, but steal from the Gentiles. Yeah. And, and all this is, is, is uh, true in the history of the Mormon church and in the polygamy groups of today. So everything is upside down. Um, they call good evil and, and, and evil good. And, and, and goes back to my opening statement, is the LDS church, the Mormon church or the Mormon polygamy groups exempt from any of the Ten Commandments? Only when it hurts the church. <laughs> Only yes. when it hurts the church. Yeah. 
if your life in the church approves the church is true, right? Uh, and you're benefiting the church. So I want to ask you a question. Yeah. You could, I don't know. Did you lie for the Lord when you were a Mormon bishop? Well, now I know I have uh, about Joseph Smith and First Vision. But did you know you were lying for it? You you were just repeating something you thought was true. Lying for the Lord. No, no, I can't say that I really ever felt like I lied for the Lord. Uh Well, uh, not knowing that Joseph Smith's true history, you know, you're repeating other people's lies, but you didn't know that's what you were doing. I think that's a little different. Uh, But some people, they actually do. I know in the Kingston group, they teach... That if you if you lie to somebody in the group, especially a leader, it's a sin. But if you lie to an outsider, it's it's, it's not it's not okay. Well, and I know you've mentioned a number of times uh, the fact that you weren't even able to acknowledge your father. Right, right. I mean, the polygamists don't allow them to to be honest about who their who their parents, parents are. Even on the birth certificates, or, they lie yeah. uh, when they these these are are civil doctrine documents. Yeah. They're legal documents. And they lie on them. And that's against the law as well. Well, it's an us versus them, I guess, mentality, it is. isn't it? So, and that's why they were caught in this food stamp thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, they know those are not part of the Ten Commandments kind of thing. And Maybe, yeah. yeah, but they're, they're not God's kingdom, so it's okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what they do. Well, our purpose is to bring biblical truths to polygamists <laughs> and, and to members of the Elias Church also if they listen in. But, but we just want you to know that God is good and God is holy. God is love and every good and perfect gift comes from him. And tragically, people take the good things he gives and then rejects the giver. A good God could not and would not command polygamy for salvation. If polygamy for salvation were true, then why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? It wouldn't have been necessary if polygamy was the Savior. And so is is the church exempt from thou shalt not bear false witness? No, they're not, but (laughs) they try to make it so. They try to make it so. Thank you, Earl. Yeah, thank you. You know, John the Baptist came with the message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus Christ came with the message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. New Testament teaching is is that by believing in Jesus and coming to him with a repentant heart, the believer would receive eternal life as a free gift. The biblical salvation message is repent and believe. You will find no salvation message that includes living polygamy or practice the united order or tithe or baptizing with water or special marriage covenants. There is no salvation without true repentance and none that includes grace plus works. Romans chapter 4 verses 4 and 5 clearly teaches us that the one who does not work but trusts God, his faith is counted as righteousness. It's that simple. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.